Hey, I'm Johanna Wagstaff. And hi there, I'm Rohit Joseph. And we're asking for 10 minutes of your day to go through the 10 things that the UN recommends we can all do when it comes to climate change. Please don't leave. No. And also the things (laughs) aren't new. We are just wired to not do them. We promise you to help you figure out your brains and you and your people can make better choices to combat climate change. 10 Minutes to Save the Planet is available now on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Okay, so it's Hip Hop Week here on Q. Today, you're going to hear about the early days when the movement and sound waves that were generating in New York started to spread outside of America's borders. You're going to hear from Maestro Fresh West, the godfather of Canadian hip-hop, who went from writing rhymes while working as a mall security guard to recording and releasing the first hit Canadian hip-hop record. That's coming up. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. Yeah, hip-hop week. So we're not only celebrating the 50th anniversary of the genre, of the cultural movement, But these days, thanks to artists like Drake, Canadian hip-hop is some of the biggest hip-hop in the world. Some of the biggest rappers come from Canada. So today, we got to start with this. It's a blood sport, blood builds up back. I make your vision go blurry while your brain goes black into oblivion. Beats from box to box, the bass rocks from blocks and blocks. Let your backbone slide. Not jam. Maestro Fresh West, Let Your Backbone Slide, the first hit hip-hop record from Canada, the first Canadian hip-hop video to get massive rotation on TV, the song that broke open the doors for Canadian hip-hop to become what it is today. I'll be honest, though, if it sounds like I'm reading a list of accolades, it's because, like, that song kind of came out before my time. Maestro was still a really big deal to me, but I don't know. I was, I was listening to him in, like, the early 2000s and songs like this one. I've seen a lot of valleys, I've seen a lot of peaks I've seen the bitter with the sweet victory and defeat Sometimes I fell Like if you grew up in Canada and you're like me and you're like, I don't know I'm 36, so if you're in your like mid to late 30s, maybe early 40s You may have, like I did, spent time slow dancing at much music video dances To that song, Stick to Your Vision by Maestro Fresh West. Maestro Fresh West came out in North York and Scarborough long before Toronto became a home for hip-hop. We were so lucky to get him on the line to talk about the early days of Toronto's and Canada's hip-hop scene. He joined us from his new home in New Brunswick. Here's my conversation for Hip-Hop Week with Maestro Fresh West. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, sir. It's a pleasure to have you. That is true. I did I did do a lot of slow dancing to stick to your vision. So That's thank- hilarious. I just had a visual of that. It was, was, was kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's more disturbing than anything else than anything else was. Um I mean it's it's great to get great to get a chance to talk to you. Um we we've had you on sort of for for very we had you on about the Raptors before. We had you on about uh, I think about a book you you wrote before, but I've never really got a chance to talk to you about sort of the whole journey of you in Canadian hip hop, which is obviously so I- important. And I, I was struck by the fact that when you were like 11 years old, you were writing poetry and you were studying piano. What kind yeah. of kid were you like to be into that at 11 years old? Um, I mean, I heard Rapper's Delight and after that it was over, man. It was like, that's... After I heard that, it was like, you know what? Let me try this too. This sounds real cool. And I was hooked ever since. That was 1979, you know? 
And um, I wrote my first rap. I can't remember it, the very first one, but I performed it in the sixth grade. Um, Our Lady Good Council Catholic School. It was supposed to be like a winter poem. I was supposed to recite, but the cadence and syncopations was like, you know, emceeing. And the crowd went, wow. And the teacher gave me a funny look like, what's this guy doing here? You weren't supposed to do that, you know? <laughs> do you remember that? Do you remember that poem? No, I don't remember that poem, but I I, I did it like, like you know, like Grandmaster Kaz's verse, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I did it, I did it in a, in a hip hop cadence, which was like, you know, the crowd, the, you know, the school went like, wow, this guy, this is, this is awesome. My teacher, my sixth grade teacher gave me a look like, she didn't say anything because she knew I was nice, right? But she did not think I was going to perform it like that, you know? Were you an artsy kid? Were you were you into the arts growing up? Uh, I was more into like sports, you know? But uh, like I said, music, I had a music background for the fact that my dad always, um, you know, there was always music in the house because my, my father always bringing in records. Like if it was reggae, calypso, you know, um, if it was jazz, what have you, you know, he was really instrumental, no pun intended in my, um, you know, my come up with that. So what did he make of, I mean, he's listening to jazz and and Calypso and all this music in, in Toronto. What did he make of it when you start coming home with hip hop records? Well, he brought me to hip hop records. My dad brought home, he went to New York and he came back with Rapper's Delight. He came back with Curtis Blow's The Break and a rhyme that changed my life, a record that changed my life, rather. The, the Adventures of Super Rhymes by Jimmy Spicer. After I, I heard Super Rhymes, I thought I had superpowers, man. That was that was the one that really put the battery in my shoulder to let's, let, let's go with this, you know? Obviously, from a mainstream perspective, it, it was Rapper's Delight. But from a, like an underground record, man, this guy Jimmy Spicer, when he came with Super Rhymes... I was like, yo, this is it right here. This is this is my guy. What was exciting? I, so I, I should say I know the first two tracks. I don't know that track you're talking about. Like what what was exciting what was exciting to you about it? Rhymes faster than a speeding bullet, has more rhymes than the train has tracks. Able to leap sucker MCs, sucker MCs in a single rhyme. It's a bird, it's a plane. No, I'm super rhyme. Rhymes faster than a speeding bullet. Has more rhymes than a train has tracks. Able to leap sucker MCs in a single rhyme. Look at the jam on the mic. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, I'm super rhyme. I'm like, yo, this guy's so dope. <laughs> that's, that's my guy right there. It's the new thing makes you want to swing while us MCs rap. Doing our thing is not singing like it used to be. No, it's rapping to the rhythm of the Zodiac. It goes one for the money, two for the show. He wouldn't stop rhyming. The song was like 15 minutes of bars after bars after bars after bars, man. I was like, wow, this is really dope. And then to etch it in stone uh, afterwards, a little while after that, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five came with a message. Push me, cause I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. <laughs> it's like a That's when I knew afterwards that this is cool having like party records, braggadocious records, but wow, this genre of music, you could actually have social commentary, you know, in music. And that really, those four records really, mold, you know, really molded me into who I am, you know, as an artist. The- from, from- 
embryonic stage. Was there much of a scene? Was there was there much of a hip hop scene in Toronto at that time? Now, all we knew was was Sunshine, Super Sounds, uh, Kilowatt, Sound Crews. That's all we had in Toronto, Sound Crews. You know, I tip my hat off to Sunshine. They're, they're based out of Scarborough, but they did like all the parties across Toronto. You know, word of mouth, the MCs at the time was a brother by the name of Butch Lee, um, Sugar C, Dexter Mack. But Butch Lee, he was like, like, like that guy. And that's just from my DJ, Greg, telling me about it because he was like three years older than me. But uh, he was the one that was telling me about these guys. His eyes would light up every time he talked about this guy named Butch Lee, how dope he is. So I'm like, maybe in my mind, based on how excited he is about Butch Lee, hopefully I'll be like, like that one day, you know? I, I got to talk to Ron Nelson, who hosted yeah. this show called, I mean, you know this for people who don't know, hosted this show called Fantastic Voyage. The new Kenny Crush on its way down to the Fantastic Voyage program. Listen for that before 4 o'clock. If you want to check out a party that's going to be live, check out this Friday night at the concert hall. It's my birthday party, so I'm going to make it live, all right? Which is like the OG, like the most, maybe the most important like hip-hop show in, in Canadian history. And he said he had you on when you were like 14 or 15 or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I was 15 years old, uh, 1982 or 83. And um, I, I went by the name of Melody MC. That was my rap name back in the day. So that's why a lot of people mix up my timelines, Tom. They think I came out in the late 80s. Or they try to push me and make me like a nine, like a '90s rapper. Meanwhile, you know, I've been doing this for a minute, and I was well received and well known in Toronto under the moniker of Melody MC. And when I was on Fantastic Voice program, just to hear Ron Nelson say, "Yo, that's Melody MC. He's 15, and damn, he's good." After I heard that, that was like, okay, I could do this, you know. And everybody was tuning in. It was a little. A radio show, a radio station out of Ryerson, CKLN 88.1 FM. But imagine going to school on Monday morning and your teachers, your teachers at school say, yo, we heard you on radio, man. That was dope. So I had like my school um, backing me, you know, um, the community backing me. And to make it even doper, my man, DJ Greg, we went to Senator O'Connor High School at the same time. And he put me on to uh, Peter and Anthony Davis. Um, who went to O'Connor as well. And uh, they ended up producing uh, Let Your Backbone Slide, you know? So years later, you know, obviously we're fast cracking, but I'm just saying from that point, um, you know, I think Ron likes to call that the drought years of like 83 to 87. Well, I was definitely one of those MCs um, doing shows. Um, I opened up for like UTFO back in the days. Um, Beastie Boys with, with under the uh, under a rap group named Vision. Yeah, was the group featuring myself, Melody MC, and my MC partner Ebony MC, who who came up with that title Vision, because um, he liked Houdini. Yeah, he said we were looking for a cool name, but he said he wants a one word name. So when he came up with Vision, I'm like, all right, that's cool. And then I started doing little graphics. I turned the two eyes into two microphones, in, in Vision, you know, and. He was always saying we should wear suits. We should always look different from everybody else, you know? So he encouraged me to like, you know, listen to him. And then later on, I'm wearing the black tuxedo. So, you know, a lot of things that happened back in the days in my up, my, my come up from the early 80s helped me be, you know, be the artist I am today. You Is, is the story that I heard about you true that you were, you were a security guard out in Scarborough so, and you would be able to write rhymes while you were working security? Yeah, because I was that was my, my that was my job to from to pay for my demo tapes and stuff. You know what I'm saying? So 
um, a Parkway Mall, which was right across the street from my high school. You know, I, I got, I did the graveyard shift, right? And from that, I could just focus on my music, focus on my rhymes, focus on that. In the daytime, you know, when I get off work, I go to the studio and, and pay my engineers, you know? You were hungry, man. Like you, I could tell you were hungry for it back then. Yeah, man. I mean, it's like, this is going to happen. You know, I mean, I'd be lying to say I wasn't motivated by Beat Factory, you know, you know, and I'll be honest with you, man. Like 1987 was the first time I was ever called old. You old, man. You old school, man. You old, you, you, you finished. And I was like, not 1997, 1987 was the first time people start calling me old. So you, I mean, like before kind of anything really happened on a national scale for you, people were already saying you were kind of washed up and already kind of old. Because they knew they were listening to me from 82, 83, you know, and it was a changing of the guard. It's no longer just how cool you are opening up for U.S. acts who come to Toronto or making your cute little demo tapes, on, 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 you know, with your cassettes. It's like the next wave is vinyl. The next wave is actually putting out vinyl, getting a, a, a record deal, you know, and that's where it was. So it was a changing of the guard. So even though people knew of me in the early 80s, it was like I was old because the new wave coming in is like Beat Factory with, with artists like Mishy Me and LA Love actually putting out vinyl, you know, connecting with MC Lightning and, and what have you. That was the next wave. It wasn't about how many parties you rock <laughs> in Toronto anymore. It's like, what are your connects in New York? And do you have vinyl? Can a DJ actually spin your records in, you know? That's when I changed my name from Melody MC to the Maestro Fresh West in 1988 because I had to reinvent myself even you could ask like like Russell Peters he'll tell you he know he grew up knowing me as Melody MC you know what I'm saying so but it was a change in the garden now where I'm considered like old and it's like has been you know so that's why I came with the with the black tuxedo yeah. the maestro fresh west and then you know connecting with uh, an electric circus, the legendary dance artist TVB just so happened to be visiting Toronto while I was performing for the very first time, a song called Let Your Backbone Slide. And he connected us with his, the label that he was signed to, which was LMR Records. And then the rest is history right there, you know? The the, the story I heard is that, so you went, you went on electric circus, you did... I'm showing you, which is a, is a great song, by the way. That's inaccurate. It wasn't that the first thing you did, and then you did that your backbone no, slide second inaccurate. time. Tell me, no, I'm, no, I'm no, here no. to learn. Tell me. Yeah. So what happened is, while I was working at Parkway, we said to ourselves, like, yo, if it's tough to make a record to get vinyl, we can still get some type of promotion if we have like a video on much music. That was my idea, right? So I put together a video. Shout out to Farley Flex's mother who co-signed, she put a couple dollars in, like 2K. I put in the 3K and, or something like that, you know, from the money that I saved up, yeah. as well as the state jackets. I shot the video at my old high school, Amaru. And um, because I figured if we get much music to play our video, we, we're onto something, right? While we're trying to get a record deal, you know? Um, and I felt so excited when we got on light rotation <laughs> on much music. I was like, yes, we did it, you know? And it was like a community effort. Like my father was my photographer. So he shot my album cover, or like my demo covers. Later on, he en ended up shooting that, the first album cover. That was shot in my parents' basement in Scarborough, <laughs> you know? 
So my dad's my photographer off my first joint, right? So um, from that, one thing led to the next. Then I performed on Electric Circus, a song called You Can't Stop Us Now. That's what it is. Right? Yeah. And after that, they called us back. And I wasn't really that interested in going back on again because it was, now it was time for me to get that record deal. Like now it's time. We were talking to a label uh, by the name of uh, Eureka Records on BMG for a single deal. And I'm like, listen, man, maybe we just rock with that as opposed to go back on Electric Circus again. But Farley Flex, my former manager at the time, was like, yo, if they're calling us to go back on, maybe maybe we just go back on. And I'm glad we did because that changed the, the, the climate of Canadian music history, you know? This jam is amplified, so just glide, glide. glide. Let your backbone slide. slide. What, what was go. it like when, when Let Your Backbone Slide took off like what did that feel like like an out-of-body experience man like <laughs> because you gotta understand I'm, I'm the first black artist in canada not first rap artist the first black artist in canada to ever go gold platinum or, or what have you call me a hip-hop tip tactician like a slab of clay the shapeless no shimmer no glasses tasteless so a lot of people gave me love a lot of people didn't know how to love how to give love because this is a new genre of music. Um, there's a lot of misconceptions, like I came out of, of nowhere, but all the MCs around my time, they knew they couldn't really say much, but humbled themselves because they knew I paid my dues. It was it was unreal, man. It was an unreal time. I was numb because I couldn't believe that we actually did something so monumental, you know? And it really made a difference in, in terms of the impact of how people check the Canada. It made an impact on your own life as well. I'm going to play you a clip right now. See if you recognize the voice you're about to hear and, and take a listen to this. I just knew that all of a sudden uh, there were girls like in cars riding by our house slowly and we would get a lot of uh, hang up calls all of a sudden. And at school when I was this came out when I was in grade nine. So thanks, Wes. High school was amazing. Um, but yeah, like people were all of a sudden interested. And then there was just more and more attention and he would be getting interviews. And yeah, yeah it was it was just a snowball effect. Tell me who we just heard from and what do you make of it? Oh, that's my sister, my favorite sister, DJ Mel Boogie. As soon as I heard, I'm like, yo, that's Mel. What's she saying now? You know? She's saying that the girls were calling the house trying to find you and getting a lot of attention. Man, listen, man, it was a blessing, man. It was a blessing uh, with the music and, and you know, people check for me. For, for me. It was a beautiful thing, man. You know, and I, I, I appreciate being appreciated. And I love my sister, man. I'm very proud of her, all her accomplishments as well. What did your family make of this newfound fame you had? Um, I remember when I got my Juno, my dad was like, you know, I'm proud of you. You know, that's the first time he ever said that to me that I remember. But like, I know he's proud of me anyway. But like, I remember him telling me that, like, he shot my first album cover. The first album cover and the first single cover was photographed by my dad. You know what I mean? So, I mean, he was very supportive of me, my father. and, And your folks were proud of you. They were proud that you had kind of done this. No doubt. I remember when when I was getting ready for this interview, I, I listened to Black Tie Affair, which is the record that came out after after that. And you know that's a, that's a very that's a record with a lot of with a great social conscience, Wes. Listen, I want an explanation why am being kicked out of their reservations. 
I'm being put in misery is stealing the land to create sporting facilities. The native man of the land is who you're killing, and then got the nerve to celebrate Thanksgiving. Flaming every man is equal. I hate to see what y'all got planned for my people. I could have, I could have said, let me just try to do party records and that's that. But I'm like, this is bigger than me doing music, man. This is me making an impact on my community. And my slogan is, before I knew what it was, is don't make records, make history. You see what I'm saying? It's not about just making a record. It's about doing something and saying something that people remember you years and years later that resonate like a ripple effect. You see what I'm saying? So I knew I was a part of that 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 catalyst for for you know music, black music in Canada, man. Like how cool is that? So I knew I wasn't just making a record. I just knew we had something big, right? But I also knew the importance of it at the same time that we're we're on the world stage right now, you know. For what it's worth, for how big hip hop is at the time, we're on the world stage, and and, and the Canadian hip hop national anthem is a song called "Let Your Backbones Fly." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Didn't you tour with? Didn't you tour with Public Enemy? Yeah, we did a couple of shows with PE. Shout out to Chuck. Um, but before that, I gotta say a special shout out to Young MC because we I did a Canadian tour with Young MC when he came with Busta Move um, back in the days. You know, that's what opened me up to growing up. Vancouver for the first time, Saskatchewan for the first time, yeah. Winnipeg for the first time. Because what I was wondering was whether touring with Public Enemy or getting to know Public Enemy influenced you on making more socially conscious music. You saw that then them having trying to have an impact on their music as well. Well, my, to the greatest hip hop album of all time to me is it takes a nation of millions to hold us back. Yeah, Public Enemy, right? My favorite hip hop song might be Rebel Without a Pause by Public Enemy. Right, at least in my top three, if not my, my favorite. Right, radio suckers never play me. All the mix thinks it's okay. Me now, knowing it grow when the clock in my zone is no sneaking and taking everything that the brother owns. So, they definitely had an influence on their sound, with, um, but the social commentary as well. And and I, I took what they said seriously, I took that to heart. And I realized that that the most I put me here for a reason to have a major impact on my community beyond just the parameters of, of rap music at the time, you know. So I, I always took that seriously. You could tell by listening to my songs then and you can tell by listening to my songs now. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm about to introduce a smooth groove that I just produced. So don't dance or prance. Move your head to the rhythm as we scan this land. That we live in this place with racism. C-A-N-A-D-A, Canada. I'm watching it decay every day. Young minds are being mentally crushed and mushed in. Thanks to men like Rushton and others who want to smother the dream of a black mind revolutionary regime. We got to redeem ourselves from shame by removing our stains of the chain on the brain. We gotta roll with force, cause the clan also moving the great white north. We gotta hurdle the system, cause hate penetrates multiculturalism. Listen, I want an explanation. Why am Ohawks being kicked out of their reservations? I'm being put in misery and stealing the land to create sporting facilities. The native man of the land is who you're killing, and then got the nerve to celebrate Thanksgiving. Claiming every man is equal. I hate to see what y'all got planned for my people. I tell my brothers and sisters to read the signs, to open the eyes, cause it's time to get together, no time to stall. Cause without togetherness, we got nothing at all. That's Maestro Fresh West with nothing at all. Coming up, Maestro is gonna tell you about the collaboration that shocked a lot of Canadian music fans when it happened. 
His collaboration with Randy Bachman and Burton Cummings of the 70s rock band The Guess Who and the lyrics that Randy told him to get rid of. I'm Tom Power. Q is back after this. I'm Ara Madison III. And I'm Louis Fertel. This year, we're excited to bring you new episodes of Keep It covering the holy trinity of awards season, Emmys, Grammys, and the granddaddy of them all, the Oscars. It's like the Super Bowl for Hollywood, but with more sequins and fewer concussions. And we are continually blessed by iconic guests like Michelle Yeoh, Tori Kelly, Andy Cohen, and Jinx Masoon. New episodes of Keep It drop every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts, or subscribe to Keep It on YouTube for access to full episodes and other exclusive content. Um, she connected me with uh, Randy Bachman, who didn't like a couple of the words. You know, I had chicks from every nationality grabbing my anatomy. He didn't like that, so I, we changed the chicks from every nationality, showing hospitality. I gotta tell you, Randy, not a bad fix. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. You're in the middle of my conversation with the godfather of Canadian hip-hop, Maestro Fresh Wes. I had to ask him about that song, uh, Stick to Your Vision, which samples the Guess Who's These Eyes, because um, I'm a little too young for Maestro Fresh West's pioneering song, like Let Your Backbone Slide. This was how I got introduced to Maestro. It's actually how I got introduced to These Eyes. I knew this song before I knew about the Guess Who. And isn't that just the most Canadian song of all time? When it's the Guess Who and Maestro Fresh West. Can we get a heritage moment for this, please? Can we stop with the peach baskets how did a song by 70s rockers like burton cummings and randy backman join up with maestro to create a canadian hip-hop classic here's more of my conversation with wes williams aka maestro fresh wes um can you talk to me about stick to your vision that was a that was a big uh sort of a comeback record for you i remember i you know to be honest i think i was i think i was in high junior high or high school right that so like I only knew you as Maestro. I only knew that for uh, from that video on, on Much Music. It was a really big deal to me and my kind of community growing up, my generation growing up. And it was also a really big deal in Canadian music because you sampled These Eyes by uh, by the Guess Who. Can you talk to me a little bit about how that song came about? Did, did they ever reach out to you about it? Yeah, well, let's start off first by saying um, me sampling Canadian rock records is nothing new because... Drop the Needle was a sample from a group called Haywire out of the Maritime. Yeah, Prince Edward Island. Something called uh, Dance Desire, right? So that's something I, I like to do. These Eyes, I grew up listening to that song. These eyes Cry every night For you These arms Long to hold you remember saying to myself you know i'd love to 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 redo that so what i did was i put a little demo together shout out to frankenstein who's a producer uh i i did it initially on my Roland w30 and then i gave it to him for him to 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 do you know his version of it which was the same eight bar loop right dum 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 and once again my father bought that 45 record for me uh and um these eyes seen a lot of shame in the game. That was all written, what have you. These eyes seen a lot of shame in the game. These eyes seen a lot of pain with the fame. These eyes 
seen a lot of highs and lows, but that's just the way life goes. And this is when I was trying to get a second record deal. So I remember going to the Montreal Music, Montreal Music Conference. Yeah. And I remember Susan Abramovich. I was sitting beside Chris Taylor on the plane, who was who who later ended up being Drake's lawyer, entertainment lawyer. And he's like, Wes, when we come back to Toronto, let's chop it up. Because I wanted to go through like a whole new phase of shopping my music, what have you. So in Montreal, now I went to one of the conferences and this entertainment lawyer by the name of Susan Abramovich, she was on a panel and she was just talking about all the artists that she represents. And when she said Randy Backman, I'm like, yo, we got to talk because I got a song called, it was called These Eyes at the time, right? That I'd like to sample, get sample clearance for this. I think it'll be a big record. So we went through the whole process. Um, she connected me with uh, Randy Backman, who didn't like a couple of the words. You know, I had chicks from every nationality grabbing my anatomy. He didn't like that. So I, we changed the chicks from every nationality, showing hospitality. You know what I mean? <laughs> I didn't know so, that, man. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're hearing the story. And Too Rude is a good friend of mine slash upcoming producer. Let me see if we could do a remix to this. Let, let Rude put his version, his addition to what's already done. So with his instrumentation um, on top of what was already done, I mean, this is These Eyes, a classic Canadian record. Um, and uh, just to see what the song did, because that song was really about perseverance and taking it to the next level. And that's kind of what I needed back then, you know, because that was a symbolizing the 10 year anniversary of me. That's a very important record, because if I didn't have Stick to Your Vision coming out in 1999, people would have forgotten a lot of the stuff I had in between, like conducting things, fine tune the mic with showbiz, all those records. That, that kind of was a, like a nice decade of me being known as the maestro Fresh West. So that, that was a very important record. I'm happy you mentioned perseverance there because it, it was something I wanted to talk to you about. I mean, this whole thing that we're talking about, you were you were the first, like you were this pioneer of Canadian hip hop at a time when uh, there, there wasn't, A, there just wasn't a lot of hip hop happening across Canada, but especially like in terms of like music industry support, there was nothing. I mean, I was talking to Ron Nelson about how when, when, when he was doing Fantastic Voyage on Toronto Campus Radio, that was kind of it. There was no commercial radio you know, hip hop stations. And uh, on the This Is Not a Drake podcast, uh, Cardi, Cardinal Officiel, talked about how industry executives in Canada didn't give hip hop the respect it deserved, how it failed him. I, I want to play a clip for you. I literally was exploding around the entire planet except in my own country. And it's like I saw them have to play catch up. Seems to be doing very well everywhere else. So I suppose we should probably support him now. And that hurt because the first time I got signed to an American label, my first song, the hook said, everybody knows it's the T-Dot. My whole narrative has been one that has taken my city and my country and put it on my shoulders and I endured ridicule for years. And then when we had this moment, we didn't even celebrate it here. What do you think when you hear that? First of all, Cardinal's my favorite Toronto MC. That, that's, that's, my, that's my nephew right there. You know, um, I have mixed feelings, you know what I'm saying? I agree with him and it sucks, man, because it's like we've worked so hard. People don't know what the blood, sweat and tears we put in to this, you know, they through years, man, you know, and to have my brother feel that way and have to say that after what he's done, you know, it, while he was saying that, I was thinking back to the Dream Warriors because the Dream Warriors, they did they, they did a lot of stuff internationally, man. 
they blew up internationally back like 10 years prior, you know, back in like in the early 1990s. And it was like the same thing where the rest of the world is giving them love. They got some love in Canada, right? But um, they got a lot of love in, in Europe as well. So when Cardinal said that, that's what that's why I chuckled because it's like the same old, same old, you know? That's how you feel, hey, these things have just been happening. This, these things just continue to happen throughout the whole time. Yeah, yeah. And my thing is, listen, man, I appreciate being appreciated. Um, I know that what I've done inspired a lot of artists. But my whole thing is, to be honest, I'm not one of those artists that, um, you know, I came out, you heard my story. I came, I wrote my first rhyme in 79, you know, performed for the first time, rap in 79. You know what I'm saying? So at 2023, I don't really want to cry over spilled milk. You know what I mean? I want to be like, what what contribution am I continuing to do? You know what I'm saying? What am I continuing um, to do? You know, so that was an old interview with Carter now. And to see where he's right now professionally with Universal, you know, you got to tip your hat off to that guy. Because I met him when he was like 13. <laughs> what, what, what was he like when he was 13 and you met him? Well, he was just excited to be like murdering MCs. Like he just, <laughs> it was at some talent show. I can't remember. I think it was Ontario Plays or something, you know? And um, just to see him grow, man, like that's that guy. What's it been like for you to you know, see? And where did I learn that from, Tom? I learned that from Public Enemy. What do you mean? Okay, what I meant by what I learned that from Public Enemy is when up-and-coming artists show love, Yeah. keep inspiring them to continue. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So I can't remember exactly what I told him, but he does. Didn't you, know? you, didn't you do that with Drake too? Like, weren't you weren't you guys on a TV show? Like, he was on Degrassi, and you were on another show, and you guys met or something yeah. like that. Yeah, the first thing Aubrey told me is like, "Yo, my music is coming," and he wasn't lying. You know, he was he took it to the next level. You know, definitely. But yeah, I, I know him from when he was doing Degrassi, and I was doing a show called Instant Star. Definitely. So we have we have we have a bond, man. We like the Alpha and the Omega in a lot of ways when it comes to this genre of music. And it was it was an honor to be a part of his show last summer, man. Like, how cool was that? Like to do that OVO show and set it off too. So you know, for people who come a long way, man, we've definitely come a long way. For people who don't know, Drake did a big show at this club called History in downtown Toronto, where he invited some of the you know the, the pioneers of of hip hop to that to the it was, it was called the like the Northern All Stars or something like that. Yeah, man. I'm just, I just know that, that that Aubrey was there and he asked me to be a part of it and. It was an honor to be there with all those other artists, man. Definitely. Before I let you go, this is um, Hip Hop Week here on Q. And like I said, it wouldn't be, we wouldn't be able to do Hip Hop Week. It, it, we'd be, I think we'd be taken off the air of doing Hip Hop Week on the CBC if we didn't have Maestro Fresh West on the show. And we've been asking everybody um, this question, and uh, it's a bit vague, and I want, you to ask, I want you to answer it however you want. What has hip hop given you? Yeah, that's, that's a big question, but I, I'd say that hip hop has given me um, confidence. Hip hop has given me uh, a lot of relationships, man. Hip hop has helped me find myself and hip hop helped me find who I am. Like I, I'm here for a reason. I know that there's a reason why the Most High put me here to do what I'm doing. And as I go through this journey called life, I'm finding myself and hip hop is a very important part of that that journey. Do you see what I'm saying? So that's what hip hop means to me. You know, everything I do, like right now, you know, my son, he's going into the 10th grade, but it was mandatory that he did reading every day, 20 minutes reading. So the book that I had him read this summer was the autobiography of Malcolm X. 
You see what I'm saying? So who reinforced me that book to me? Well, it was well, it was Public Enemy. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, I knew of it from from Roots and Alex Haley. You know who wrote the who wrote the book like years years prior to that. But it was hip hop that reinforced the importance of social commentary. It was hip hop that reinforced the importance of, of of consciousness. And the reason I got reinforced to that book was through hip hop. It's a beautiful thing, Maestro. Uh, thanks so much for making the time for us, man, and, and thank you for everything over your your career of incredible hip hop in Canada. Thanks for having me. Yo. I build with Israelites, Rastafarians, God bodies, FOI, Sunni Muslims, TO to Brooklyn, many nights in Bedshaw, blazing trees out in Cali, with brothers from a frat, sipping Henny, man friendly, got Toronto's rap title, Tamaricitals, McQuincy Jones in 89, that's my idol, chicks from every nationality, showing hospitality, grabbing me, showing mad love in the club, listen, check my rendition, perform for royalty and politicians, even done shows with the greatest MCs of all time, I was the one who used to say, 89 is mine, I seen a lot of valleys, I seen a lot of peaks, I seen the bitter with the sweet victory and defeat. Sometimes I fell, but a voice kept saying, son, stick to your vision, peep the composition. Seen a lot of shame in the game, seen a lot of pain with the fame, seen a lot of highs and lows, but that's just the way life goes. Maestro, Maestro Fresh West, and stick to your vision. Before that, my conversation with Maestro, who, in addition to being a pioneer, the godfather of Canadian hip-hop, is also an actor. You might have seen him in shows like Mr. D. Right now, he's the host of a show on CBC called Race Against the Tide. It's a really interesting show. It's like artists face off at the Bay of Fundy, creating art from sand, all before the tide comes to wash it away. You can catch season three of Race Against the Tide, and you can see Maestro on it right now on CBC Jam. All right, that's it for this episode of Q. Interesting, like, I've been trying to share some of the, the stuff from Hip Hop Week up on the, on the on the old Instagram and all that. I don't know, I'm going to keep track of it, about the sort of fight between Canadian news and, um, and meta right now and Instagram and Facebook and all that. But essentially, like, we can't post, I can't post, like, links to articles on my Instagram right now to, to our stuff. So um, I heartily encourage you uh, to go check out our website, cbc.ca slash Q. Lots of supplementary, interesting stuff on Hip Hop Week happening there. Uh, go check it out. The other episode we put up today is a conversation with another. I mean, if Maestro Fresh West is the godfather of Canadian hip hop, Mishimi is the godmother of Canadian hip hop, uh, a pioneering female. MC at a time when there just weren't that many in, in Canada. And she's going to be here to talk a little bit about getting the recognition that she deserves. So go check that out wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you soon. Later on. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.